1: Welcome to the Danny Klink Scale, Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. Insightful and witty commentary, probing interviews, and detours from the beaten path.
2: Welcome to Arts and Lifestyle Wednesday, presented by Cinematic Visions and another fun edition of Danny and Tim's Music Scene. Well, fun is a relative thing. We always have fun, and music is an evergreen enterprise, so you get to talk about a lot of different things, but uh, certainly we have some tragedy to talk about, and three people who either passed uh, on a day that was commemorated, like Prince, with his Grammy tribute to Prince last night, and a couple of other more under-the-radar musical people in John Prine, and Hal Wilner of Saturday Night Live fame, I guess. He was more behind-the-scenes person. And John Prine's a very iconoclastic songwriter with a a unique voice and presence, to say the least. And, of course, we also are getting the downside news of uh, many large cities and governors uh, looking in their crystal ball and not seeing the possibility of large gatherings uh, in maybe anywhere in the near future at all maybe the entire year of 2020 and that of course impacts us on our ability to go see shows and go to clubs and and see live music and try to replace it with people posting things online and shows like the Prince show or the uh Global Citizen event on Sunday, but those are getting a little tried and true, to say the least. So uh, we certainly always explore things, and there is no bigger fan of Prince in the world than Tim Finn, so I couldn't wait to get his insights uh, into not only the show, but Prince itself. And uh, as you'll hear, he was far more into talking about uh, Prince itself than the show, which he he liked, but uh, you'll hear, uh, I think, a what a a sentiment was. It was a sentiment of my wife. It's a sentiment of Tim. And without me trying to explain it, why don't we just listen to it? Coming up next, Danny and Tim's music scene for this particular go-round. Every other week we do it with Tim Finn from In Kansas City Magazine, longtime and very respected musical writer for The Star. Cinematic Visions has been an affordable solution for professional media production in Kansas City since 2003, offering award-winning video production and creation, as well as a wide array of digital and social media management services. From planning, scripting, filming, editing, and post-production to delivering your product to a watching world, Cinematic Visions will provide professional and affordable services for you and your business with the necessary return on investment to make it all worthwhile. Cinematic Visions' goal is to unlock the power of storytelling through video and a strong online presence for your company. Beyond the numbers, they want to inspire and evoke your clients to feel and act. Let my friends at Cinematic Visions embed your brand where it belongs, in your customers' minds. You can find them online at cinematicvisions.com or with a quick phone call at 816-600-6300.
3: Hey everyone, this is Matt Llewellyn from 23rd Street Brewery, wishing you well while you stay safe during this time of uncertainty. Due to the recent news, you won't be able to get the same in-restaurant experience at the 23rd Street Brewery that you've come to expect over the past 16 years. But you can get the same delicious items prepared with the highest level of staff cleanliness available for carryout and delivery through our partners Eat Street. You can also still enjoy our craft beers and crawlers for to-go service. So remember, stay safe and together we will all get through this time of uncertainty.
2: My friends at Advanced Sports and Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture are among the most accomplished and trusted clinics in the nation. Only one clinic has been rated in the top five in all three categories of chiropractic care, acupuncture, and rehabilitation, and that clinic is ASFCA. They have locations in Olathe, Overland Park, Prairie Village, Belton, and Lee Summit. Doctors Brad and Christina Woodle and their accomplished team of doctors and therapists will treat you like family for the simplest of injuries to the most complicated conditions to avoid surgery. Whether you are seeking treatment for an injury or just looking to stay healthy and fit, this is the place for you, and it's been the place for me for almost two years now. I have been a strenuous daily exerciser for years, and as time goes on, that takes its toll. But regular appointments at Advanced Sports and Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture have helped keep me ticking on, and even as the years pile up, their regular care has allowed me to keep to my regimen and feel great. If you want to feel the same, give them a call or visit them at asfca.com Danny. They accept all insurances and are open Monday through Saturday. And make sure to mention that Danny Klinkscale recommended Advanced Sports and Family Chiropractic and acupuncture.
1: If you'd like to join these and other great sponsors and market your business to a growing and engaged audience, contact us at danny at dannyclingscale.com. Look forward to hearing from you.
2: Tim, we've talked about uh, Prince many different times on this particular podcast and podcast. I guess it's both. And uh, you obviously are are a very enthusiastic uh, fan of Prince and think that he is one of the more brilliant gener- uh, musicians of this, or maybe any generation, and he was tributed last night. First of all, do you have any clue when they did that? Because that was what I was thinking when it was going on. I'm like, man, I'm glad they got this in and done so that we could see it. Uh, obviously, it was planned to, do on, to come out on the fourth anniversary of his passing, but uh, I don't have any idea about the logistics, but thank goodness they were able to do this, well, I guess as of a month ago.
3: Yeah, I knew nothing about it, so I started hearing about it, um, you know, Monday and Tuesday. So I did watch it. I didn't watch all of it. Um, the more I watched it, the more I realized that if I'm going to listen to Prince, the person I want to hear performing Prince is Prince. <laughs> so um, I like Earth Wind and Fire. Um, I've seen the Foo Fighters do "Darling Nikki" before. There were some really good performances. Um, But I um, found myself, I don't know, feeling um, a little more sorrowful as the night went on just because obviously he wasn't there. So, um, but it's also, I mean, it was such a tribute to him, A, how many great songs he wrote. just Mm -hmm. fabulous. What a strong songwriter. Um, And how many people over... A wide breadth of genres adored him. Absolutely. So he was just a universally loved and respected songwriter, musician. Um, what I watched yesterday more than a few times was that his performance at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when he was uh, with Tom Petty and other, mm-hmm. mostly Tom Petty's band, doing While My Guitar Kently Weeps. And I never get tired of watching that because. Um, He's got some of the best musicians in the world behind him, and they're just staring at him in awe and that's what Prince did, you know he um <laughs> he made do every night you know it's parallel I watched the Michael Jordan thing the other night. The prince reminds me of Michael Jordan like he never took a minute off. It doesn't matter how many shows he'd done or how many times he performed a song. he um wanted to win and wanted to be the best, and he was and it's just it's it's so obvious. Um, there's another video that I watched a couple of times yesterday and it's the one where James Brown is performing. He brings Michael Jackson up on stage. This is like 1983, 84, right around that time. Thriller was out and Purple Rain was coming out and um, Michael Jackson comes up and does the uh, the moonwalk. This is right after that it had already been aired on TV and was famous. And um, So Michael Jackson is up there and then James Brown calls Uh, For Prince, who comes into this arena on the shoulders of a huge bodyguard, grabs a guitar, and then is immediately the biggest personality in the room. Like you just see Michael Jackson and James Brown, two great live performers, standing back, going, "Wow!" And um, that's that's Prince. It's easy to find it; it's all over YouTube. But that's even before he had really broken, and he was intimidated. It was respectful, but like, all right, try this, you know?
2: <laughs> you know, as I, as I, by the way, uh, you're, you, you have a kindred spirit in my wife who loved the show. Absolutely loved it. I, I enjoyed it. She loved it more than I did. Uh, and, and I loved, I liked it quite a bit but she at one point she said well all this show is missing is prince right <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know that that certainly is the case there were many uh, good performances and Morris Day that he was really good and that that was good and a lot of a lot of fun things were done but as the evening wore on the feeling i got and yes you want to see prince but you know he's not going to be there and there were a lot right. of very good performances and great songs Just wanted to run this one past you. As, and my wife completely disagreed with me, so you may completely disagree with me, and actually the question itself lends itself to Prince's greatness. As they were, you know, we'd gone in, and there'd been 15, 18 great songs already, I found myself thinking to myself, you know, I like his pop rock songs more than his funk soul songs. Not that I don't like the other ones, and the crowd clearly was dancing and having fun to that, but... Right. I find my I found myself appreciating the pop rock songs more than the other ones. What about that sentiment for me?
3: Well, I mean, there's something to what you're saying because but I got the feeling he could he could write songs like Manic Monday, which he didn't record, you know, the, mm-hmm. the um the Bengals did. Or um Raspberry Beret. He could write three of those a day. Like those those weren't like much of an effort for him, but those are some of his and my favorite print songs. So the catchy ones, yeah, the poppy ones are, are great, but um, he could write the funkiest of funk, and um, maybe their charms aren't as like immediate as the poppy songs are, but yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I think it just goes to show how diverse he was as a songwriter, um, or even the ballads, you know. Compares to you, what a great mm-hmm. song, "Purple Rain." So, it's like, there's nothing he couldn't write. But I know what you mean. Yeah, his um, I just think he could whip out a pop song, you know, for <laughs> like two hours, you know, and it would be really good.
2: Hey, we've got a new artist, and we need to give him a break. Could you whip up something really catchy and fancy? And uh, <laughs> yeah. obviously, he he well could. Yeah. Oh, we've watched a lot of. uh documentaries and music things during the the coronavirus thing. And we watched a a, uh, movie about the Gallagher brothers and Oasis the other day, and, you know, they were troubled to say the least. And it just is, and my wife continually says this and she comes from a world where the, the greatest musicians generally don't uh, succumb to substance abuse in the world of opera. We just Mm -hmm. lose, we lose so many of these great artists to this and you just wonder, you know, you can't just say it was the time because it continues to this day. You know, back in the day, you could say, well, it was the 60s, it was the 70s, whatever. Have you got any particular thoughts on how this happens and why we lose so many great people who have certainly plenty to live with, artistic fulfillment, whatever? I mean, in some cases, I guess there's, you know, pain involved and, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. phys- physical, right. physical pain involved. But uh, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, I mean, there's, there's a difference, like, um, you know, with Hendrix and Jim Morrison and, you know, James Joplin, go back then, Kurt Cobain. Um, but what happened with Prince and Michael Jackson, Like those two guys were born in the same year, like weeks of each other. Think about that. And then Madonna was born like a month later. So 1958 was a good year, but, um, they both Prince and Michael Jackson died. There was, accidental and it was addiction to you know painkillers or they were, they were dealing with or anxiety whatever it was um so yes it was addiction but it wasn't um well it wasn't like heroin you know um mm-hmm. they were taking it as medication and same with Tom Petty you know? um, right it's heartbreaking because um not that it isn't with someone like you know Kirk Cobain is an addict, and he ends up killing himself, kind of because of it. But um, it's heartbreaking when it was preventable, and then death was not the intense you know. So I think it's and opioids are it's the, it's the other pandemic. It's um, and it's inexplicable, and I've known people that I know have succumbed to it. Guys in their thirties, you know, it's um and it's really devastating. And uh, I think it's it's not exclusive to music, and um, you know you could go you could take this deep and just go it's it's this whole medicate yourself and over right. medicate yourself, and um and there's no stopping it or controlling it, so it's it's just so sad, um, especially because I was thinking yesterday, um, Chris's death was like the deepest blow of them all, um, because he was so unique. And, um, he managed to sustain this mystique about him because he was private and he wasn't about being in the spotlight and the media and, um, was some mystery about him. I watched, um, yesterday an interview he did with Chris Rock that I posted on my Facebook page, um, that I hadn't seen before. It's like 20 minutes. It's just brilliant. Chris Rock was, um, did a great job of getting out of Prince, um, information and opinions and responses that I hadn't heard before and sort of revealing part of who he was. And, um, what he was was just this deeply sensitive, thoughtful, articulate artist. Like we call a lot of people artists, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Steven Tyler is an artist, I guess. But, um, (laughs) I think think Prince was a real artist, like up there with the elite of the elite in music. And, um, Watching that is even like, God, I really need to see that today because it just makes it hurt worse that he's not around. And who would we need more today than a guy like him?
2: Absolutely, for for a variety of reasons, no question about that. But there always will be, unfortunately, I guess fortunately, I've always said this is sort of a two-sided issue. When people die, and especially when they die too young, and, and they are great actors or musicians or authors or whatever, at least they leave their work. And in some regards, when they die young, it does create even more of a mystique about them. Now, Prince wasn't young, young, but... He was certainly he, he certainly had many years of performing left in them and so that's it's kind of a two sided thing. It almost increases the fame in some ways, but of course you miss them.
3: Right. Well, I think he just um especially I mean he died in two thousand sixteen where when social media was you know, in full rampage, but um he was just always he sustained his privacy. Remember after he died hearing... Um, morning about all these charities he run he had run and um, contributed to and it was um a hard rule like if you work for him, do not talk about this he does not want it out that he's donated whatever fifty thousand dollars to some you know youth athletic thing in Oakland or whatever it is and um when he was gone, because you would get fired if you did, he did not want it out, and most of the time it didn't get out um he just wanted. I don't think he wanted like an image of himself other than that was, which was created by his live music and his albums and his recorded music. And beyond that, he was very careful about what got out about him. And, um, even, you know, five or six or seven years ago when it seems like he started to know everything about everybody because either it was discovered or captured on smartphone or they were putting it out themselves on their social media platforms. And, you know, Prince never engaged in that. And um, it was kind of rare for someone of his stature to go, I don't need that. You know, I'm going to pretend like it's 1984 again.
2: Yeah, we cannot uh, recreate that as well. We're speaking with our usual every-other-week visit with Tim Finn on Danny and Tim's music scene. And we'll continue coming up next. We lost a couple other people from the music uh, industry. Of course, Prince was lost four years ago, but was celebrated last evening. We'll talk about that and uh, the seemingly nuclear winter we are facing as far as live music is concerned. All that straight ahead, right here.
1: More of Danny's Reasonably Irreverent podcast after this.
2: We're here with Joe Spiker, the CEO and president of Easton Roofing. And Joe, you had a great year in 2019, a record year. 2020 comes, things are moving smoothly along, and then the coronavirus comes. But your company seemed to be very ready, very proactive, and very ready to serve your customers well. Yeah, we adopted social distancing very early before the cities even put out the notices, and we started working from home. We are largely cloud-based as a company, so that transition was easy. Our technicians are wearing masks and gloves, and salespeople are not meeting with homeowners. We're doing everything digitally and doing everything we can to do our part to get over this as quickly as possible. So for any needs that people have right now, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, you can always call us, 913-257-5426. But the best way is to go to eastonroofing.com. Put your information in, and we'll give you a call. Houston Roofing. Integrity Matters.
1: For many people, a family law case will be one of the most difficult experiences in their life. The law firm of Kenneth McRae will help you through it. Personal and effective help from Ken in concert with you will develop a unique strategy for your unique case. As Ken always says, divorce can be civil law, not civil war. Licensed in Kansas? Visit McRaeLawOffice.com or call 913-972-4765. We're
2: visiting with Larry Marshall, former Chiefs defensive back and punt returner and now a Chiefs ambassador. Larry is a former pro football player with the aches and pains that come with that. And moving on in age as we all are, What did the Canaway CBD products do for you? It's been a great relief for me being a uh, punt and kickoff returner. Collisions were a uh, mainstay of my career, and these uh, Canaway products, the salve especially, has really helped me try to get through every day with the aches and pains that I've had over a career of uh,
1: seven-plus years
2: in the NFL. I get similar benefits as well, particularly with my back. Certainly wasn't a football player. What's the best way for our listeners to get more information about the great products themselves? Well, I'm so enthused about it, Dana. That they just contacted me at larrymarshall.cannaway.com and I can give them all the information they need to uh, help them get through the day as well. Start gaining all the benefits that Larry and I do from the trusted and reliable line of Canaway products. As Larry said, visit larrymarshall.cannaway.com and get information on all the great products from Cannaway. If you'd like to join these and other great sponsors and market your business to a growing and engaged audience, contact us at danny at dannyclinkscale.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Back with Tim Finn from In Kansas City Magazine, struggling these days for us to find things to talk about, Tim. But music is so evergreen that uh, we always can seemingly come up with uh, things to talk about and unfortunately sometimes it's because people have passed passed away and or we're remembering them passing away and john prine recently uh, died at age 73 someone who had a lot of uh, physical problems during the later portion of his life anyway a very unique and extremely well uh, well respected songwriter uh, singer without a voice <laughs> per se Right. and uh, just uh, somebody who uh, i think was a completely unique person of his his time and maybe of any time
3: yeah he was one of those songwriters that made um songwriters like Bob Dylan or Chris Christopherson or Guy Clark you know towns of Anzan who were um his peers definitely but they all um recognized the uniqueness in John Prime, starting with his voice, which yes got more ravaged as he went through first throat cancer, which he survived, and then lung cancer, which he survived. Um and it's um it's the way he wrote, it's how he wrote, it's the subjects, the people he approached in his songs and what he tried to convey in his songs. Um there's this, like uh, I mean he he grew up in like suburban Chicago, or outside of Chicago, but his parents were from rural like almost Appalachian Kentucky, which was a place I think he probably visited a lot and he he wrote about it. So definitely that was part of who he was, part of his identity. But there's the Southern Gothicness to some of his songs that you don't know, find in really anyone else in the way he could turn a phrase, the way he could. Some of the songs he painted portraits and you could visualize his music, you know, the way he wrote it, the way he performed it. And, um, by the end of the song of a three or four minute song, you felt like you'd watched a short film on something, you know? Um, so I mean, you can find quotes from Dylan, like only John Prine could have written that song. You know, he, he, he owned that genre of songwriting. So, um, when we heard he was sick at first, the news was devastating it didn't look good but then his wife posted something that said he had stabilized which we found out later she just meant he stopped getting worse right (laughs) he wasn't getting better he just wasn't getting worse um so maybe we i don't know figured he'll he'll be out of the woods soon and then so when the word came it was like a double blow the first time and then final word um and i i saw him in late like november of 2018 he had just released um his uh, last, um, most recent uh, studio album was called The Tree of Forgiveness. It was his first collection of songs he'd written or co-written in like 13 years. He had a couple of uh, cover albums or albums of cover songs, you know. So after like 12 or 13 years, you're wondering, if, can he I don't know, Can he still write a song? Is he, You know, he's in his 70s, he's done through a lot, but this record... Proved that he still had the chops in him, so it was really um, encouraging. Saw him at the Midland you know, five times. Seen him; it was my favorite show ever because he was so spry and so funny. He actually did this little jig between the last song of the first set and the encore. People just went nuts. And um, I remember writing, wrote in the review, which I reposted on Facebook, like, like John Prine always comes back. You know, he beat cancer twice. We thought he had maybe you know writer's block. Or his muse had disappeared, but nope here it is and um it's great to know that he's he's back and um whenever we read that it's just like stabbed me because um he conquered so much you know and um and that he couldn't beat this thing like too many other people
2: absolutely the case and certainly a wildly respected person and then when you uh, texted me about what we might talk about uh, you uh, brought up the name of uh, al Wilner and he uh, was the musical director, I guess, of sorts for Saturday Night Live. He picked the music that went with the skits and things like that. I, I had to be honest, I, I I knew the name, but that was about it. Tell me about his importance uh, in the music scene and why he was uh, a respected person whose loss was felt so strongly. First of all, it was from coronavirus, that's one thing, but uh, what else?
3: Right. But he was only in his mid-60s, so he wasn't that old. He. <laughs> You know, he started a lot of life left at him. So he was just this really um, sort of um, out of the periphery, beyond the periphery guy who did some really amazing collaborations. He was a good friend of Blue Reads. Um, so I interviewed him when I was at the Star. This was back in 2003 or four, so it was a while ago. I remember the phone call, definitely, because he was such, such an um, enthusiastic and warm and friendly person who had a lot to say, like everything he said was smart or funny or informed, Um, just a memorable personality. He had just worked on this um, project with Lou Reed. They me to Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Um, So I'd listen to it. And it's one of those, you could listen to it and go, okay, that's weird and interesting. You know, David Bowie's on it, Lou Reed, Laurie Anderson, some actors like Steve Buscemi's on there. (laughs) It's just really... A little bit but anyway it's not something you're going to want to pick up or play like every week or so it's you listen to it once and you get it go well, that's interesting um he indulged in those kind of projects and what i first heard of him was when he did this tribute to the um the disney all the music from uh the disney films it's called stay awake mm-hmm. various interpretations of music from disney films i Look for it on. It's probably on uh, Spotify. I would love to have it on vinyl, but it's um, all like people like um, Michael Smith and Natalie Merchant do a song. Um, Los Lobos, Bonnie Raitt with "Was Not Was." Does "Baby Mine" from Dumbo? Tom Waits does this version of "Hi Ho, You Know the Dwarfs" <laughs> marching song that is yep. will completely will completely eradicate your memory of the original and it will just take <laughs> <kick> over your. <laughs> The version of the song because it's it's just perfect. So I think that was probably his peak of, of these many weird tribute collaborations he did. In addition to, for forty years, he was like the musical director of S M L and he either scored or picked the music for their um, for their of uh, their skit, not just their skits, but like the little film film Right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you watched. Was it last week? Because uh, I don't know what day it is right now, but it was last Saturday and Saturday before, where um, they had like cast members going back to the mid-'80s um, that pay tribute to him, and um, talking as much about his genius, but also about what, uh, what just alive and emotional and open person he was, and how he was one of those people who, if you're having a sour day, he it up right away. Just encountering him, whether it was for a minute or 10 minutes. Um, Keith Davidson was the one that really struck me because he is a young kid who was dealing with talking about addiction issues and, and, um, depression. And, um, he looked like the most grieved, like this guy was like my favorite uncle in the world. Um, so everyone was speaking to him as a person as well as a genius. And, um, it was tough to watch. I mean, I got really choked up because I remember feeling that way after I talked to him. Um, he treated me like he'd known me for a while. And um, so I got it. And, you yeah, know, he's someone who was kind of in the background and most people don't know, but until you find out, oh, he that, you know, they were showing some of the skits or short films that he, you know, for which he produced or found the music. And um, so he had, a, he had an influence that we didn't even know about. And just to reiterate, I would highly recommend if you can find that that, um, that tribute to the Disney music from the Disney film. It's called Stay Awake, but um, it's brilliant. And um, it set me looking for that CD in my collection um, the day I heard he died
2: absolutely a, a great name to and jimmy fallon uh, i watched a couple of them he broke down when when he was talking about him so just for yeah. to have somebody in in their passing probably get as much notoriety as he ever did during the course of his life uh, uh, i guess is a, is a, is a blessing uh, a slight blessing in in
3: itself right Let's, because for him like attention wasn't what he was looking for it just it was just like expressing himself creatively and doing Daring, weird things with people he really respected. He and Lou Reed were really close friends. Which, I mean, if you can sustain a friendship with Lou Reed, because I don't know, he's <laughs> pretty irascible. What right I hear, you know. Um, yeah. Um, it speaks a lot. It speaks a lot to who he was as a person. And it's by I that he was like sixty-three or sixty-four. It's like, damn, it's just. There's, he had so much left in him.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, how much live music we have in us for 2020 certainly is up in the air now. And uh, the governor of California came out the other day and uh, was, uh, you know, certainly not giving any good news when he was saying that he doesn't foresee uh, large gatherings of people in 2020. Maybe other people are being a little more optimistic. I'll just reference, uh, you know, I've done a million times the the Mavericks uh, had a show in May that was postponed. I have tickets now that are for September 26th. I am not very optimistic about that. And at one point in time, you're, you know, that's what the where we are in this world. When they rescheduled it at the time they did, I'm like, Oh, September 26th. It's a, ge- it's basically an outdoor venue. That's going to happen. Now I, I really don't think so. And I think more and more we're uh, headed toward uh, a sort of music list sports lists with fans there. 2020, it's looking like even more.
3: It's not very encouraging. Um, although, knuckleheads in September, I'll give that a one-in-five shot, maybe. <laughs> um, I don't think there's going to be anything at Sprint Center or even places like the, um, the Midland or the Uptown. Like, I don't think anything more than a couple hundred. But I don't know. I, that, even... Who knows? If it's not under control, why would 200 be better than 1,000? I don't know. Um, because how can you create whatever space may need to be created so that you know this virus isn't spread? So it's not encouraging. Sports, okay, the teams can play with nobody in the stands. I'd watch that right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, in a minute. But um, you can't do that with live music. I mean, it's it's no, I don't. I I mean, unless someone does it from their home, but let's face it, that's a good band aid, but it's it's not the same. It just really isn't the same. Yeah, I was
2: gonna I was gonna talk about that. We just had another one of those uh, events on TV, and with the uh, uh, World Citizen uh, Global Citizen event on Sunday, and it was good, but and I watched it most of it. But it's like, okay, this is about the sixth one of these we've had, and
3: are so talking about the one with Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy?
2: Y- yeah, with that, yeah. with all all the networks that it was on, all the networks at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah um and you know you're just um, getting okay. to the point where okay well so and so's gonna put out some tunes from their basement, and you know it, it's right. it's get, there's getting to be a little groundhog day, all the things that we at first you're like, oh that's a good that's a good little remedy, and you- ca- called it exactly correctly a band aid well the band aid right. is is starting to you know rub off because we've taken too many showers <laughs> yeah, yeah, so just
3: as a sidebar, so um you know that Jimmy Fallon and the Ritz did the safety dance. Yes. And they showed a lot of um, nurses and first responders and healthcare workers in that. My wife was in that for like a, two seconds because they had a few bed Yeah. Right around the uh, 53 second mark. Um, <laughs> okay.
2: I'll look, look for, um, for it again because it was great. It's worth yeah. watching again. That's for That was probably the
3: highlight yeah, of the evening. Like one of, it was one of the best moments of the evening. Yes, it was. Um, I love that song. And, um, they treated it perfectly. But yeah, I mean, watching Elton John sing with this basketball pole behind him and two basketballs, <laughs> like, what am I watching here? <laughs> right. Is Elton working on a three-point shot? <laughs> <laughs> you know, third time? I don't know. Third time. Yeah, it's just, part of it's like you watch this and go, well, what else am I going to watch? You know, right? There's, you know, there's live music. <laughs>
2: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, we crave it, and I guess that means we'll love it even more. Do you get the sense that when this, you know, we we do start to get the all clear for certain venues or you can have a gathering over 500, do you have the feeling that people are just going to come storming back or are they going to come tiptoeing back? Uh, Let's just keep it to music or clubs or whatever. What's uh, what's your thought there?
3: I don't think anybody knows. And the other variable, Danny, is, Will people have money to buy tickets? Right. Because um, that's another thing. There's, uh, there's also some resentment about tickets not being refunded. We bought a ticket to event at the Midland. It was for a um, podcast. And, um, you know, it dropped 150 And we're having, we've been told the money will be returned, but it hasn't returned yet. And there's no clear sign that it's going to, which is, it's it's whatever. But um, there are probably some people who dropped money. On, um, on tickets. I, I guess that if you spent money on sporting events, they're saying, well, we can't give you your money back because it's postponed. It's not canceled. But, so I think that's all going to contribute to this notion of, well, okay, I'm working again, but <laughs> I got debts to pay. But, mm-hmm. You know, I got to make up um, some financial time. And So I don't know. My, my sense is, like, yes, I don't care who it is. I'm going to go see the show. Just you dive into that pool again but um that's something we don't you know we really don't know and um the consequences are just so vast like i I told you you know someone in my family is part of the um behind the scenes as a sound person uh, living in la and um that's just one element of the broad spectrum of people who are employed by live music that is feeling it heavily and um the road to recovery, who knows what it's going to take and what it's going to be and how
2: long it's going to be. No question about that. We try to remain optimistic, but there's always music around in its various forms, uh, but there's nothing like going to a live show or seeing somebody you haven't ever seen in a club and discovering that. We hope we're we're back to that uh, maybe in 2021. Tim, always a pleasure.
3: Okay. Thanks, Danny.
1: We hope you enjoyed the latest Danny Scale, Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. Come back soon for something fresh and new. This podcast was made possible by our great sponsors like the Law Offices of Kenneth McRae, developing a unique strategy for your family law case. Divorce can be civil law, not civil war.